Hi everyone, welcome to the Highbury Hangout podcast. In today's episode, we'll be talking all about our victory over Bayern Munich that takes us through to the semi-finals of the Champions League. Overall, we beat them 2-1 on aggregate, 2-0 on the night. A really solid and tactically brilliant performance from the whole team. And it was all in front of a UK record crowd for a Women's Champions League game of 21,307. We'll be diving in with a match report now. So we finished the first leg in Germany a goal down, as we all know, but a really strong performance, full of promise for the second leg, and the Gunners did not disappoint us. Playing football the famous Arsenal way with flair and confidence, instead of just simply diving in, over-eager to chase that goal deficit, which is something that's a really easy trap to fall into. And as we spoke about in the previous podcast and the match preview on my website, that's super, super dangerous with a team like Bayern Munich, given how good they are at countering. But our first chance came pretty early on from Pullover in the box after some techie footwork by Frieda Mornham and Caitlin Ford, but unfortunately Pullover couldn't get the shot off as she was swarmed by the Vine defenders, obviously very early on, everyone's got lots of energy to defend. But you could tell that Arsenal had more to offer and were confident in their ability to do so, which I think is really important and shows the progress we've made over the season. The game was starting to develop into more of a flow, however, While the players remained calm, panic set in amongst the Arsenal fans as about 10 minutes in, Kim Little was fouled and had to limp off. She then handed the armband to Lee Williamson who moved forwards up into midfield and Lotte Verbemoy came in into defence. Despite the obvious concern for our skipper, the team remained resolute. Just before the 20 minute mark, Frieda Mornham scored an absolute stunner via a back heel assist from Lee Williamson. Once the game had a level aggregate, I think this has really helped calm the pitch down, definitely calm the fans down, and I think that translates quite a lot in the women's football. It was then Stina Blackstenius that got us the goal with a header in the 27th minute. Williamson nearly made it three with a shot on her birthday, but after a goal-mouth scramble, Bayern were able to recover the ball. Just before half-time, Lotte Vubemoy also had a shot, but it was denied by the underside of the crossbar. Then, in the second half, Bayern definitely came out a lot stronger than we had previously seen them in the first half, bar the opening few minutes. However, I don't think it took anyone by surprise. They definitely dealt with it really well. And it didn't take long for Arsenal to start their attack again, with Katie McCabe having a shot on goal. Pullover in particular played a really vital role in breaking what was growing into a dominant Bayern press as the second half was progressing. Caitlin Ford then unfortunately had an uncommon missed shot and ultimately there was no more goals scored but the German side definitely surged in the later stages and it was a pretty agonising seven minutes of added time. However, Jen Beattie was brought on and I think that really helped solidify the defence. She had some big headers to get the ball out of danger and I think the team really worked well together. You could see from the sideline that there was a lot of communication going on. So overall, a really huge performance and I think it was just so well deserved. Every single player stepped up. Everyone fought for each other. We didn't let Kim Little being taken off really get to us, which is such a huge step for this Arsenal team, given how vital Kim is to our squad. We now know that we will be facing Wolfsburg in the next stage, and we also know that Barcelona and Chelsea are the other teams to make it through. 
A lot of fans and also the players and the manager widely reported in the press that we were going in with a lot of confidence and I think that has been building since our Conti Cup victory and then obviously the dominant display at Spurs where we essentially just practiced different shots in the second half. I think all these things have been building and really helping the squad. So as you may have seen, Jonas Eideval boldly claimed that he believes that we could beat any team on our day. And then Rafa Souza also mentioned in her pre-match press conference about the treble. So obviously we already have the Conti Cup. And then obviously she's referencing the WSL title and a Champions League win. Now, obviously, a few people, especially rival fans, took this as a bit of a um, what are you on about kind of that's a way too bold a statement to be making. However, they were clearly proven somewhat correct. Like, this was a great display. In my opinion, they... They made Bayern Munich look fairly average, which is a really difficult thing to do, bearing in mind that Bayern have beaten Wolfsburg, they are top of their domestic league, they beat Barcelona, and ultimately I think it's all fair to say that they have some of the best definitely midfielders in the world on their team. This was not an easy feat, and I think they made it look to an extent easy like don't get me wrong Bayern Munich definitely had their fair few spells and I think possession wise especially in the second half Bayern Munich definitely had more but I think we can't overstate the importance of this win not just because it takes us to the semis but the confidence I should bring us because of how we did it based on all this it obviously makes you think back to you know the West Ham score and how we lost to Chelsea in the FA Cup, those kinds of games where we had these problems. Um, you know, we've we've spoken a lot about the absence of Beth and Viv and also the the smaller injuries that have affected the flow of the game, whether that be Leah and Rafa, for example, or Kim Little. And not just the injuries directly taking our goals away, but also how it affects the chemistry and the flow of our players and games. But I've spoken previously about how Arsenal have been forced into rapidly learning on the go from the problems we've encountered. And I thought it was interesting that ahead of this game, Jonas said, when you lose football matches and experience things, you need to try and come up with a way of being even better in the future. We have managed to do that. And arguably he's right. I think we've shown a lot of dominance both domestically and in the Champions League as of late. And I think not only have we started to figure out how best to play us in, you know, without our key players and things like that, but if we're looking in the fairly long term now, it's not just about learning to deal with the current issues, but looking on our previous meetings, for example, with Wolfsburg or Barcelona, where in both games we were knocked out of the Champions League, in those games, that was where we really struggled for space and therefore to control the games. And to do this, Eideval has Arsenal defending higher in quite a lot of situations and playing with more intensity. We saw in the first leg as well how much pressure we put Bayern under, forcing them back several times and this made Bayern really unsteady. And I think this is where a lot of their frustration came from. Back in October 2021, after the Barcelona loss, Jonas spoke about controlling games, saying that he told the team that you look at a game from a spectrum where you're being totally in control or you're totally out of control. And in the Barcelona game, sorry to cast everyone's mind back, we were 
really quite out of control if we're being completely honest with ourselves and I think this is something Jonas has spoken about. At the time he went on to say that mostly when you play a really good team such as Barcelona you sit somewhere in between the spectrum and he explains it's about mastering each of those moments, that moment when you're completely in control and the moment when you're completely out of control. It's about the decisions you make in those moments, which is, of course, a really interesting understanding of how football works. Um, obviously, since then, he's been able to have his own signings come in and he's also picked the players that he wants to have contract extensions um, for example, the signing of Rafa Souza, she's not just an amazing solo player, but her matchup play with Leah is honestly like beautiful, like it's beautiful football. Um, I think it's a real shame that it didn't happen sooner, if I'm being honest. They just have such a great spatial awareness of each other, and I don't think that their relationship can really be over exaggerated. It's importance to Arsenal. But I think it's important to look back on these long-term progressions to see where we have improved and also where, you know, there's still room for improvement, obviously. But I think looking back at how I felt after the Wolfsburg knockout or the Barcelona game, it it feels different. I feel the improvement is growing, but in a really sustainable way. They've not been fluky games. They've been games where... We haven't had some really key players and also not just obviously we went into buying games knowing we didn't have Beth and Viv for the whole season, but to lose Kim Little so early on in a game and then to be able to move the players around into a formation that works and then play in that manner, that adaptability is what makes winners. But now looking at some players individually, one of the things that I really felt about this game, obviously Freedom Warnham won player of the match, very deserved. But overall, I didn't think there was one singular standout player. I think every single player I was like, that's an amazing ball. That's great. Like, oh, look how they've done that. And I think that's huge. So let's start off by looking at Black Stenius. I actually think we should take a look at her as of late because obviously as we all know she got a lot of heat from a lot of people at the start of this like kind of start to mid-season but now after this game she has scored an injury time winning goal in the league cup semi-final she scored an equaliser in the league cup final and now she has a goal for us in the champions league that's obviously freedom on also scored but that took us to a draw and then Black Stenius took us to the win. Now, moving on to Leah Williamson, stat-wise, she had 100% dribble completes, she had 100% tackle completes and then she had 11 ball recoveries and then obviously that one very techie back heel assist. And then going a little bit more sentimental, she obviously ended up captaining her childhood team to their first Champions League semi-final since 2012. Now obviously one of the really interesting things about Leah Williamson's season has been this very frequent movement between midfield and her defensive position. I think we can all agree obviously that Leah is very very talented in both roles but overall I personally see her as more of a defender and she has said herself that that is where she feels most comfortable. 
but when she played against Reading, I think she was a true midfielder, and I think that's where we really got to see her in midfield mode, as opposed to a defender that had moved into midfield, if this makes sense. And then I felt against Bayern Munich that she really was a true midfielder again, as opposed to someone who had just moved from defence that was, you know, quite good at that role. She just showed so much control and really capped in the side well as in addition to her own gameplay. Then thinking about who came on for Leah, obviously Lotta Vibben Moy, she at the time of the game had not been called up to the latest England squad. And this is of course significant given the fact that this is the final squad we will see before the World Cup squad is announced in the summer. However, given that Millie Bright is now no longer available, Lotta has of course been called up. Overall, I was actually quite surprised that she hadn't anyway. I think she's played some really high profile games, significant minutes, and she's been playing really well, but called up nonetheless now. And I felt that she really answered and responded really well to not being called up. It was the perfect game for her. Came on kind of early, unexpected, and really delivered. And it was really obvious that the Bayern tactics were for Schuller to stay closer to Lotta rather than Rafa. And it just didn't work. Lotta was very, very dominant and able to deal with her. And finally, I wanted to talk about Noelle Maritz. I think she's had a very interesting season, seeing that when she was signed, it was a fairly safe assumption that she would be regularly starting, playing lots of minutes. She's obviously previous won the Champions League. She's a very strong player. Then Laura Wienreuter, on the back of her fairly successful personal successful Euros, has completely put herself into the first team. And what I think is developing is this very healthy but important competition between the two for them to get pitch time. And I think Noelle's been putting in some pretty solid performances as is, but it's been really interesting to see that when Pullover plays, Jonas likes to put her merits like behind Pullover, and I think they're starting to provide a really interesting dynamic to watch. That obviously takes us nicely to looking at what Pullova contributed. I think she settled in so quickly to this side. Super impressive, especially considering she's fairly young still. And while there wasn't an assist like we saw in the North London derby, first off you can tell how hungry she is for a goal. And I think she played a really vital role throughout the game. Um, she was so crucial in the build-up to the second goal specifically and her energy and pressing really helped force the turnover for the first goal. So, yes, yeah, she's still raw, but I do get really excited when she's on the starting lineup. and I think we should all take this opportunity to thank Dan van der Donk for, like, kind of supporting her decision to come here. Now, moving to a topic that all Arsenal fans love to talk about, and that is the one-club mentality that we have. So... In attendance tonight was Vic Akers, Ian Wright, Mikel Arteta, Edu, Kelly Smith, a whole host of big Arsenal faces who we all love. I also really, really liked that Ian Wright went to the Tollington. Like, that is iconic unit behaviour from him. After the match, Jonas Advar actually said, I got a very nice message from Edu after the game. The support from the whole club is magnificent. 
They talk a lot in Arsenal about acting with class, but when you're inside the organisation, you really understand the meaning of those words. And then today it was followed up by a Mikel Arteta press conference. Obviously, the men's international break is now over and he spoke about how much he enjoyed going to the game and described Freedom Warnham's goal as beautiful and that they knew it was going to go in. Obviously, much like the last get this game against Bayern, our game against Wolfsburg will be at the Emirates as well and tickets are actually already on sale. More than 10,000 tickets have already been sold which is really, really cool because when we played Wolfsburg in the quarterfinal stage last season at the Emirates, I think there was only 5,000 overall. Just makes me so thankful that something magic is like really, really happening in women's football and at Arsenal. But I think it also represents how important it is for us to get top three, i.e. be in a European position at the end of the season because it's going to help grow the club's fan base it's going to help grow this movement towards the emirates and I think it's just all really important building blocks for the future of arsenal now before we go into a more general news roundup to finish off this podcast episode i wanted to kind of round it off this game with some food for thought um some of you may have seen on twitter that birmingham city after we got through, tweeted about the fact that in 2014, they beat Arsenal 2-0 and that was what took Birmingham into the semi-finals of the Women's Champions League. Now, obviously this is like pure football heritage and so wild almost to think about the trajectories of both clubs and what's happened and also the fact that last season a lot of us would say that Birmingham was the game that we coulda, shoulda, woulda won. Um, Obviously, we were missing a key player or so, but if we'd have won that game, which everyone thought we would, then we would have won the league. Um, So funny to think about it now, I guess, in 2014 as well. But for me, I, I, um, as some of you know, I get a bit, bit emotional about my love for Arsenal. But back in 2014, when we lost that game, It kind of was symbolic of the change in, I guess, tone of the Arsenal side. Obviously, Arsenal continued to compete for things, different trophies domestically and internationally. We continued to have world-class players and I think a pretty good fan base, (laughs) if I do say so myself. But I think even though Arsenal have and continue to lead the way in women's football, I think it's important to reflect on, you know, where things can be better and where things didn't go maybe as well. So in the past, I feel that this game in 2014 was quite symbolic of the end of an era, kind of the end of the Arsenal dynasty of just pure, like... There was no one near us in competition. For those of you who weren't around then, it was it's difficult to kind of explain the level of dominance, the level of success. Because what we started to see was maybe a I think Arsenal got kind of comfortable. Nothing was taken away from Arsenal as far as we're all aware. Like funding didn't drop, but things weren't increased, training wasn't improved, specific players weren't brought in as we may have expected them to in the past and in that time 
there was at first it was probably Liverpool and then it was Chelsea and then it was probably Man City who really rose to the top and that's where we saw the kind of the gap starting to build obviously it has been closed and is closing in recent history like now but it would be foolish despite the rivalry and how much I don't want to say this obviously Chelsea are immense these days in terms of what they produce trophy wise but thinking to like about pre-2015 and without Emma Hayes Chelsea weren't this dominant force by any means whatsoever and then Man City have had a huge uptake in their funding they have some world-class training facilities I think if anyone watched um, a recent episode of Inside the WSL on Sky they were talking about diets which is obviously kind of a given but the level of detail that they were talking about it was quite intense the players personal lives and also how they look at periods of each players it was very very interesting in all honesty so with this plateau to an extent I guess of Arsenal after having such a long-term meteoric rise of women's football just almost solo on their own this is kind of the situation that happened so for me I'm not saying that oh we're back and I don't think we're in that era of just one team dominance anymore and we definitely shouldn't be if we want women's football to improve as a whole there needs to be competition and this is why I think this WSL title right now is so important because it is wide open there's kind of four teams I guess you could say that could win it and you know all all dynasties come to an end but for me looking at how now we're going into the semi-final after being kind of falling into this little issue of just being quarter-finalist teams which is a really dangerous place to be in if you both psychologically and physically on in terms of funding and the players that want to join what it means for the club to get to the semi-final is huge but that is enough kind of me waxing poetical about the rise of Arsenal so going into some more general news to clarify all of the players yellow cards are now wiped so we don't need to worry about that obviously a huge relief We've also had a lot of WSL nominations of the month. So WSL Player of the Month, Lee Williamson and Caitlin Ford are nominated. Caitlin Ford's goal against Spurs in the North London derby has also been nominated for Goal of the Month. And Jonas Adevel has been nominated for Manager of the Month. He's had three wins, 11 goals and two clean sheets. So obviously hugely impressive showing as of late from Arsenal. Injury news, Katie McCabe is allegedly pretty much okay, she had more of a scan, more of an in-depth looking over after the Bayern Munich game and initially we had reports coming more from the island camp saying that it wasn't long term but we now know from Jonas that she probably will play on Sunday against Man City, big relief, I think everyone was panicking when she was hobbling around on crutches and a boot celebrating the win unfortunately it actually looks like Kim Little's injury may be a bit more long term obviously Arsenal were fairly vague on what it is when it's going to be sorted all those kinds of topics obviously I'll try and keep you updated if we get anything new looking at our future Arsenal stars for the women's team 
Arsenal women's under-21s are six points clear with four games left this season. Collecting four more points will 100% guarantee us the Southern Division League title and the national playoff spot. So huge for the academy. And then sticking with the under-21 news, Arsenal Academy winger Freya Godfrey, who is still playing for Arsenal but also plays for Ipswich Town, scored five goals in four games for them this month and she's been voted their Ipswich Towns Player of the Month again. I'm sure we're all super excited to see some of these future stars come through for us soon. And finally, just something wholesome, I guess, to end this podcast on. About nine years ago, plus a few days now, because obviously we've played Bayern now, it was a 17-year-old Leah Williamson that made her senior team debut against Birmingham City in the Champions League quarterfinal. She came on for the absolute legend that is Rachel Yankee in the second half. So absolutely incredible to think about the fact that now in 2023 she not only played but captain Arsenal into the semi-final but for now obviously on the back of this huge game we go into yet another absolutely massive game this time domestic at the weekend we play Man City I think this will be a real deciding factor in whoever wins the title whether that's because it's removed obstacles for other teams or if it means something for City or if it means something for us. These games that are coming up are obviously going to be massive for the title, especially considering that Arsenal play everyone that is above us as well as obviously other games. As usual, you can expect a match preview on thehybridhangout.com ahead of the match. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And feel free to get on touch on socials and let me know what you thought about the buying game.